share with you that are sick, and if you'll be praying for them, that'd be terrific. Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She's very sick with cancer. Laura Galloway's dad, John Dryden, he's also very sick with cancer, and they're just trying to keep him comfortable. He's been having some good days, and they're very thankful for that. John Gardner's mother's not well. Uh, Jamie Hutchins came in here without anything on his arm, and he's holding up a thumb there with the other arm, but still, that's progress. So we're glad to see that. Harold Eaton is recovering from shoulder surgery. I understand that he fell the other day on that. So please keep him in your prayers. It's very painful surgery to recover from. Doing better. Well, I'm glad. Fe okay. Well, Joan kind of gives us some insight, and that's better. If you're going to fall, fall on the recliner. So that's, I mean, if you're going to do it. But we're glad that he's doing better. Uh, David Yates is also doing better. He's been up and moving around, so we're glad to hear that progress. Sandy Bonham, you know, is very sick right now, and we're praying that the treatment she gets in, I think they're going to New York, that that'll be a success. Larry Lambert is Dale Kendrick's brother-in-law. Uh, he had four back fractures close to his spinal cord due to a four-wheeler accident. He had surgery on Tuesday, and, you know, he's in recovery. It was, it's super painful, so he's dealing with that right now, and they appreciate your prayers on his behalf. Craig Glenn is on dialysis for the time being. We're hoping, as it has been in the past, it'll be temporary, but please keep the Glenn family in your prayers. Uh, how's Sue? Okay, so good. She, she had a stint at the hospital. She was not very well. Oh, okay. So, all right. All right, sorry to hear that. 
Uh, how is Ryan Thomas getting? Okay, he's making progress. Okay, glad to hear that. Um, I understand Will Tennyson, we've been praying for him for a long time, but he has, uh, we're in the perhaps the last week of treatment and hoping that good things will come as a result of those treatments. Okay, so Whitney is my daughter-in-law. And her sister, Caitlin Motes, she had a baby on Sunday. His name is Asher. He was like over nine pounds, a long baby. Everything looked great. But his oxygen levels were less than 80%. They couldn't get it rectified. So he ended up being transferred to a more sophisticated hospital with uh, childcare units. And uh, they've determined he's going to have to have some heart surgery. Uh, some of the vessels and so forth in his heart are not aligned properly. So please keep the Motes family in your prayers. We'd really appreciate that. They are in Charleston, South Carolina. And she's actually requested things for you to pray for. Pray that Asher's going to be able to stay stable with his lab work and his vitals. Pray for the wisdom for the cardiac surgeons as they try to learn his particular circumstance and make plans for the surgery. Pray that there will be no complications during the surgery, no infection, that kind of thing. And then, of course, energy and strength for the parents because this is just an initial thing. I'm sure he'll need special care, at least for the short term. So you'll pray for them, won't you? Thank you. Okay, on a lighter note, the K through nine grade, they're gonna be meeting at 9.30 at Blue Mountain Pumpkin Patch on Saturday. Now, they're not taking a bus, so don't meet here at 9.30 expecting to ride over there. Guy would appreciate it if you would go ahead and drive and be there at 9.30. Guy, does that sound right? Okay. You say, hey, we don't want to ride that bus. We want to drive ourselves. Maybe that's the issue. If we change the driver... You think that would help? Okay, well, since it's such short notice and we can't find another driver, <laughs> just meet over there at 9.30 on Saturday, okay? That would be great. All right, from uh, kindergarten through sixth grade. If you have any questions, see Guy or Amelia about that. Okay, we're going to sing a song. To, uh, yes. He fell off of his truck. He drive a big, big truck, okay. And broke ribs. Oh. Okay. Okay, we will pray for her too. Okay, aren't you glad we can do that? I am. Okay, let's sing a song together, and then we will have a prayer, and then begin our study. 781. Okay, now I've had reports in the past about how I'll, I'll choose a song, and I'll take off leading it, and it will be the song I'm singing, I promise you that's right there in front of me. 
However, some of these books, for some reason, have different songs on some of these numbers. I don't know why that is. And it's not just a few up here. Apparently, they're scattered around. So, 781. Thank you, Lord. Does that sound right? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to sing a different song tonight. So, no, just kidding. Okay, so 781. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for a great day today, and thank you for our health and strength, for the freedom and ability we have to be able to assemble here tonight. But we've mentioned several who are not well and struggling. We're praying your blessings on them. Bless Irene Baker and Laura Galloway's dad as they battle cancer. We pray for their families that they'll be comforted in this struggle. Pray for John Gardner's mother, who's advanced in age and not well. We're thankful that Jamie's doing better, and we pray that that will be his continuing progress. And also for Harold Eaton, we pray, Lord, that both of them will get stronger every day and have full use of their, their arms again. Pray for Sandy Bonham, who's being evaluated and going to be undergoing some very serious treatments. We pray that you will heal her if it's your will. Pray for Craig Glenn as he's having to deal with the, just the inconvenience and frustration of having to be on dialysis. We pray his health will get better and that he can get off of that again. We ask your blessings on Sue Jones, whose health is not good and also for her family as they tend to her in a difficult time. We pray for Ryan Thomas, and we're thankful that he's doing better, and we pray a full recovery for him. We pray for Whitney's sister, Caitlin, who is now dealing with uh, difficult circumstances with her child. And Lord, we're just we're praying what they are asking us to pray for. We pray that Asher's labs and his vitals are going to be stable and He'll be strong to be able to undergo the surgery. We pray for those who are tending to him that they'll use their wisdom and knowledge 
and apply it in such a way as to promote healing. We pray for this little baby that there'll not be any complications from surgery and that he'll have a, a full recovery and be strong. And we pray for these parents as uh, they're just facing some undue anxiety and stress. And we pray, Lord, that you'll give them comfort and surround them with friends that will really support them. We pray for uh, Terry Yarborough who fell off his truck and had all these injuries. And we pray that he'll heal and uh, bless his body as no doubt it's very painful to go through all of this. We pray that he'll get stronger every day and do well. We uh, pray, Lord, that you'll uh, bless uh, Larry Lambert as he's gone through his surgery and that he'll be strong and recover. Please be with Marilyn's sister, Sue, who's also very sick right now. We pray that she'll get the treatment she needs to feel good again. And Lord, there's, there's so many who are also on our hearts tonight that we're not necessarily mentioning, but uh, you know about their circumstances and the trials that they face. And we're just praying, Lord, that you'll bring comfort. And we trust you in everything, uh, even when things don't go the way that we had hoped. We're just praying, Lord, that you'll use us to be a support to these folks. Thank you, as uh, we sang, for loving and setting us free, for the blessing it is to be in Christ. Help us as we're talking about uh, giving in particular, and, and in this, this period, talking about a life of giving, help us really be committed to your cause and your things and to do our very best to participate to see that uh, we'll uh, be committed abundantly uh, in these things in, in excess uh, to see the grace of giving to grow in, in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as a quick review, uh, we started out last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. And just looking at the, the latter part of that, that is kind of an unusual statement for most of us because we think of various graces. Usually we pick them out of the statement of building to our faith or adding to our faith in 2 Peter chapter 1. But those aren't all the graces. And when we talk about graces, we're talking about benefits, gifts that come from God. This text says that we're to see that we abound in this grace also. In the context, that grace that he's talking about is this idea of liberal, abundant kind of giving. I was thinking as I came over here, you know, it's not just the idea of being a liberal giver. It, it's really about being a courageous giver. We may be fearful, but having the courage to trust what God has said about our giving and to know that we can't outgive Him, putting, if you want to put it this way, just putting Him to the test about it. I'm very well convinced that if our goal, as God's goal is, to see the gospel spread throughout all the world, if our goal is to see the church grow where we are, and for us to be a great church, if personally our intention is to grow in the image of Jesus Christ, then it seems of necessity that we'll have the mind that we're going to grow in this grace also. We're going to be people who are known for our giving, liberal or, as a thought today, just courageous giving. Now, I wanted to share a few truths with you about giving, and that's what we spent our time with last week. So, We'll not, certainly not go through all of that, but I wanted to remind you of some of the great, great truths that are associated with giving. And much of, much of what this describes for us isn't just describing the practice of giving, but really kind of gets, in a lot of cases, to the heart of what we're doing as we give. You can't help but notice, as you're going through the New Testament scriptures, that the New Testament church was a giving church. Now, we looked at several scriptures that testified that fact. 
You can't miss that on the very first day of the church's existence in Acts chapter 2, verse 45. They're already taking care of those who are in need. By the time we get to chapter 4, we see an example of Barnabas as he is selling property and just laying those funds at the apostles' feet, and then they distribute to each as anyone had need. We're confident that the early church, when it saw a need that existed, it loved the members such that it saw to those needs because that maintains the health of the congregation, all of us working together. Not everybody was given the same amounts, but I am convinced that everybody had the same heart of sacrifice. So it might not be equal donations, but certainly an equal sense of sacrifice on everybody's part. We reemphasize the fact that giving is a grace uh, from our text here that we just read, but also looking at some things that indicate, okay, as, as I am a steward of God, there's two ways, I guess, in which the grace is flowing. One is, I'm a beneficiary. God blesses me. He puts things into my care. And then secondarily, as it's going from me, then that's a grace or a gift that's given to somebody else. I mean, that's, that's the full circle uh, aspect of giving altogether. I'm a receiver and I'm a giver. But we also noticed that giving is a command, and we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. That actually established a mechanism, you know, a, a place, a wherewithal for giving. And there was some planning in that. People were giving as they had prospered. So as they see blessings coming into their life, in turn, they're giving out. And this particular instance had to do with a need that existed, and they're gathering funds in order to send. Everybody, as we saw in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, they were excited about the prospect of giving. In chapter 8, Macedonians, even from their poverty. So this was something that was exciting the body. Here is something that I can do actively to demonstrate, you know, we said our underlying, underlying motivation is our love. So here's a way I can demonstrate my love by giving and by contributing to a situation that is hurting. Somebody's hurting and I can bless them. God being glorified because what I have, well, that came from God. And I'm just going to filter it through me to that need. And then we were through that reminded, yeah, in fact, we are stewards of God. So we're kind of that go-between. We're not the owners of these things. We are the possessors. We're, we're holding it for a time. And then if a need arise, we will be glad to participate, to benefit, to bless those who are in need. And then we saw that giving is one of those things that's kind of a basis for judgment. It isn't the only thing that we're judged on. But that was the major component there in Matthew chapter 25. We look specifically at verses 35 and 36, but practically that whole chapter, a, a large portion of it, is dealing with a scenario where you have an opportunity to act on your faith. And the question is, are you doing that? For those who did, they, they didn't even know that they had done the good deeds. You know, the Lord had to say, here's what you did. And like We were kind of oblivious to it. In other words, we weren't kind of checking off our list and saying, boy, I better get these things done before the Lord comes so that I can be found faithful. It wasn't like that. It's that they had become conditioned to give, conditioned to extend benevolent help to those who were in need. That's what we're really shooting for, just not having a fabricated heart, having a genuine heart, having been transformed and as we talked about a moment ago, doing our very best to be transformed into the image of Christ. When people see us, it ought to be apparent where that gift is coming from. And then we also talked about the fact that giving is something that's good for us. And we use maybe the, maybe the most popular of those texts. It's practically a proverb, I guess, from Acts 20 and verse 35. 
that it's more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Okay. And really, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the side of it in which we're the giver. And there is just abundant evidence in every direction that truly there is tremendous blessing associated with the act of giving when a need exists and we can satisfy that need. We also saw that giving is actually an aspect of sowing, right? Second Corinthians 9 verse 6, he who sows sparingly will also reap how? Sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Okay, that's a general principle, but uh, I mean, we're, we're taking that application to what we're going to discover a little bit later tonight was the application he was going to make in verse 8 to the brethren there in Corinth. And that is, look, don't be afraid. That's kind of where the word courage came from. But don't be afraid to participate in these acts of giving. Don't be afraid to follow through, in their case, what you promised to do. Because when you do, God's not going to leave you hanging. He is not going to cause you to become destitute when you're helping someone else who is originally maybe in that situation. He is not going to do that to you. So if you're, if you're afraid and you try to reap or sow you know, sparingly, well, that's, that's how that's going to go with you. But you know, get in there and look for a bountiful harvest. That's a, I think that's a great encouragement to all of us. And then also, you know, when we give, we're giving in such a way as it demonstrates or it shows other people that Christ is living in us. Now, I, I always, you know, I always want to talk about Jesus being the great teacher and how he, he led people to knowledge through some of their, you know, pre-existing issues like prejudice. And that, those, are great, those are great lessons. I, I'm encouraged by that. But, you know, Jesus was also sensitive to those who were in need of spiritual nourishment, but in the moment, you know, were hungry or thirsty or had some physical need that needed to be satisfied or in some way dealt with so that that could open the door to a response. And I'll probably get this wrong, but you've heard that old adage that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, that's an interesting play on words, but it's actually true, isn't it? Most people couldn't care less what you know if you don't care about them. So Jesus was spectacular in that regard, and that's how we ought to be. And as, as we are genuinely giving, not just check off something, or I've gotten this assignment, I'll do it, but I don't like it. Not that attitude, but I really love people. You know, I really, I really want to reach them. I want to see a soul saved. And if, and if it means going through a benevolent case in order to reach a soul, then we ought to be all, all about that because Jesus was about that. And then there were two, two last things. I just, I lumped them together because I was thinking about the sense of liberality in our giving. One thing that that we notice is that liberality is basically the standard for giving. What I mean is when we give, it's, it's, it's a very active, active thing. Our great example is Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44, where we have the story of the, the widow who gives, right? And in the story, we find out that she, how much did she give? She gave all that she had. She gave her entire livelihood. It's not like she had something to fall back on. She was really committed. That is absolute liberality. That is a fulfillment of what we're stressing here, looking at this little piece of our text from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. See that you abound in this grace also. To abound means to be excessive in it, and certainly... She's a great example of that. But then continuing that, if the church is very liberal, if it gives in excess, so to speak, then what that reflects is a church that is growing. And I'm not talking about numerical growth. 
I'm talking about spiritual growth. The more we give, the more we're committed to seeing good things done in God's name to God's glory, the more that reflects who we are, really. A maturing church. Okay, so that's kind of a review of what we talked about last week. Tonight, I want us to talk about purposed giving. Now, we're going to draw from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you're in chapter 8, we're going to flip to chapter 9. And if someone will read verse 7 for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Every man according as he has part of the purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, but God loves the true forgiveness. Okay. So let each one give. Now, you know, the previous verse was the sowing and the reaping verse, right? Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. So, since that's true, here's what you do. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now, the word purpose there literally means to consider above or beyond everything else. In other words, as I'm considering my giving, my purpose in giving, a purposed giver is someone who considers everything, and then the thing that is on his mind, in this case, I'm, I'm giving to a need, uh, by extension, we're giving to the work of the church. I'm going to consider that before everything else. You say, well, can I, you know, I got these bills. I got a house payment, car payment. Uh, we eat food, need money for food and the gasoline to go in the car and insurance, can the bills on and on. Peace, I know that, absolutely. But what this is telling us that when it comes to our giving, when it comes to a heart that is purposed, what we do in that regard, if, if our desire is truly to be an abundant giver, we're growing in this grace, then the first thing that I'm always going to consider is not all of those material, earthbound considerations. First thing I'm going to consider is my giving in the Lord's name, the glory that I'm going to give to the Lord. Now, I know what a lot of people do because I used to be one of those. Kind of look at the bills. You've only got so much salary. You come to Sunday. Oh no, you don't have anything. Plate comes around. You grab your wallet. Oh, what's in there? You grab a little bit and throw it in the collection plate. You feel obligated to give, but you know, you just kind of ran flat that week. And you know what? If you get into that kind of giving, every week will end up that way. You'll always think last about giving to God's glory. That is not what this text says. So let each one give as he purposes. Think first before everything else of what you're going to give. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Don't do it grudgingly nor of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. Now there's a lot in that. It isn't out of the sense of obligation that we give. It isn't, you know, somebody's putting pressure on me or I want to give, maybe I'll take my dollar and flip it around so that nobody can tell what I'm giving, but they'll know I'm giving. You know, that kind of pressure, no. We've already thought about it. We have already considered it before everything else. That's the idea of purposing. Now, I'll use the Corinthian church as a great example. Someone read back, well, Rick, you're you still there? No, you're gone. <laughs> okay, you are. Okay, if you will go back and read verse 2 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Everybody look at this. For I know the power of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal provoked very many. Okay, Achaia. Macedonia, remember last chapter, we talked about them and their giving, 
right? And the thing is with them, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then he says to us, by the will of God, the first thing they did was consider the Lord. We're going to glorify the Lord. And then, oh, yeah, Paul, you know what? Yeah, we'll help with that. But the first thing was we're looking for an opportunity to glorify God through our giving. Oh, thank you for giving us an outlet by which we might exercise our faith and demonstrate to God that we are faithful stewards. Thank you for that. Now he comes along, he says, well, you know what? Told you about those Macedonians. I'm kind of pumping you up, but here's the deal. Last year, you guys made a promise about what you're gonna give this year. And as you read through this text, you'll find out that he actually sent some people ahead to make sure that they had what they had promised to give. They've had an entire year to get together the funds that they had promised a year ago. Now, watch this. This church had purposed. They had already said, ahead and above everything else, we are determined to give a set amount of money or funds for relief. And so you've got an entire year. What do you do? Do you wait until you hear that Paul's going to be here next Sunday? We'll just, oh, we're in a panic now. We're going to try to scrape it together. And then if we don't have, we'll say, oh, I'm sorry. That, that's not what they did. What they did was when they made that commitment, they purposed. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, I can't give like brother so-and-so gives. But I am committed that I'm going to give sacrificially because I know the rest of the brethren are going to do it that way. That's the kind of giving the church does. So while we can't give equal amounts, we can all give sacrificially. I know that in a year, there's going to be this ultimate gift that is given for relief. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to plan over the course of this year. I'm going to lay by in store. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Every first day of the week, we're going to give as we have prospered. I have in mind what I'm going to do, and I'm going to stick to it. Here's how I'm going to stick to it. It's going to be the very first thing that I do. Before I consider anything else that happens, I'm going to take care of this, of this gift individually that I give. And then when all of us have individually had that same mind, then by the time that year ends, we're going to have what we promised to give. You say, well, you know, Ken, let's just say, I'm thinking a, a, a year ahead, and, and a lot of people do this. Uh, we do this. I, I don't know if you do or not, but we budget. I mean, I, I, I sit down and I, I try to plan out where every dime goes to have a handle on our spending. And so... First thing that I'll consider is contribution to the Lord's church. Because when that's taken care of, when I understand the need that exists, then all the other things just kind of fall in their place. We're going we're gonna to be budget-minded. We're going to look for an opportunity to help. But at the same time, we're going to be sure that we care for the obligations financially that exist. When I have a sense of, as a steward a faithful steward, once I have a sense of what God has put into my hands, in my power, then I also have a responsibility to distribute it as is necessary. And I'm purposing, so I'm gonna plan ahead. If I plan ahead, then every Sunday that comes along, I'm not gonna wait until I find out what's left in my pocketbook, because I've already made my commitment of what I'm going to give. I've already purposed, I've already set it above everything else. I'm not giving it by compulsion. I'm not being forced to do it. I'm willingly giving it. In fact, if we have the right mind about it, just as our text suggested, we're going to be cheerful givers in the process of it. Now, you're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Read verse 8 for us, because here's the thing. Say, I'm, I'm fearful. You know, Ken, if I'm, if I'm giving to the church really like I ought to give, if I'm giving sacrificially, if I, I recognize all the works that are going on in this location here, we've got missionaries, we've got salaries, we've got building upkeep. We've got a lot of things that we as a corporate body are taking care of that need financing. So, you know, 
I, I want to help out, but boy, I'm a little afraid. You know, I'm not, not really sure about whether that's going to work out or not. Uh, what does verse 8 say? God is able to make all grace abound for you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound with every good work. Okay, all grace is going to abound. And what is the, where's the grace coming from? That's God's gift to me. And then he says that you're going to have, you're going to have what? All, all sufficiency. In other words, need exists. Can we take care of it or can we not? Let's have a resounding, enthusiastic, yes, we can do it. We can do it. Well, why can't we do it? Because we're so great. No, because the one who supplies what is necessary in order to meet the need is who? It is God. Now, I'll tell you, I've heard lots of stories from people telling me about how they committed to something, they made a sacrifice, and God came through. And they tell me these stories as though it's going to shock me and uh, make me go, wow, that's a... I've heard enough of them that when I hear it now, it doesn't really shock me. I know that if the need exists, that God will provide. Would you believe I know of a church in the brotherhood, and maybe there are many of them, but I just heard of one one time, and I, when I first heard it, I thought, that's crazy. But then when I started studying these kinds of things, I thought, you know what, that's, that's, that's great. Now, some of you who work with the budget and so forth don't have a heart attack, okay? Just take this with a grain of salt. But a brother told me that the church where he preached was on a zero-based budget for the church. And what that meant was for them that every dime that came into the contribution on Sunday, they spent it. Every dime. They spent it. Now you say, well, you know, you've got building up, keep, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's in the budget, and that money's going to be spent. Everything that was above whatever was budgetary, they found some way to spend it that week. I thought, wow. The first thing that came to mind was, what happens if, oh, the air conditioner unit goes out, and you need $6,000 to repair it? You've already spent all the money. He said, well... We had that happen. And what we did was we went to the church and said, we have this need that exists. And then you know what the church did? Oh, it went from like 300 down to 100. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's not what happened. No, the members took responsibility. Said, this is our house. This is our thing. We are going to contribute to meet the need that exists. Now, I'm not altogether sure that's exactly what verse 8 is telling us, but when somebody tells me that experience, I think now, oh, okay, yeah, that seems reasonable to me, that God would take care of a need because we believe that God's going to give us all sufficiency for what we do. And we're using these funds in order to bring glory to God. also heard something like this one time. Somebody told me, they said, well, you know, Ken, I, I heard like a series of lessons one time about giving. And wife and I, we sat down and we looked at our giving and realized we weren't giving enough. Said, so we decided we were going to give $1,000 more over the course of the year. That's purposing. Going to give $1,000 more over the course of the year. And so we sat down and figured out where we could cut here and there and it worked out. We figured out how our budget would work. And so we thought to ourselves, $1,000 extra is a sacrifice for us. But, you know, we just sat down with our budgeting and we figured out how we could do it. Well, he said, on that, on the next Sunday, we initiated this plan. And so, you know, I'll be honest, it was kind of nervous writing that check and adding that money but we went ahead and did it and kind of felt funny Sunday until Monday when we went to the mailbox. He said, kind of unbelievable, opened up the mailbox and there was a check in the box 
that actually was a refund from the mortgage company where they had deducted too much money from, you know, to put in escrow, like for taxes and insurance and so forth. So when I opened up the envelope, the check was for $1,000. Now, I can't promise you that if you examine your finances and your budgeting and you say, I'm not sacrificing enough and I need to add this, that you start this on Sunday, Monday you go to the mailbox and you'll get $1,000. I don't know if that will happen to you, but I can't begin to tell you the stories that I've heard of things just like that, where a person said, you know what, this is going to be difficult for me. It's going to be a challenge, but I know that I can't outgive God and I want to do within the reasonable circumstances of the life that I'm living. My, my, I'm going to purpose, I'm going to plan for the year. Now, if I do that, if I follow in the footsteps of like this Corinthian church, I, I ask, what, what were the results of the church in Corinth? Well, number one, almost immediately is a result, and that is that those who were in need were benefiting from all that had been purposed for a whole year. So that was, going to, that was going to relieve the suffering of a lot of people. Secondarily, and maybe this won't happen with us, we can become tremendous givers and nobody else knows a thing about it. But with this Corinthian church, because the faith that they had and the example that they set, we know about it today. I mean, the story of that church has been going for a couple of thousand years now. A tribute not to them, but of the faith that they had that God would provide if they would give sacrificially. So, Ken, why is it that I would do that? Why would I purpose? Why would I think so far ahead in my giving? Well, for one thing, I think we would do it because we feel the sense of duty to God. And I'm not talking about checking off a list. I mean simply, I know that I am a steward of God. I know that I'm responsible for what he's put in my hands. And as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that steward is expected to be faithful. So what God tells me about my giving, I, I just need to put that into practice and trust God that it's going to work out just like he said it was going to work out. The, the next thing is that not only do I feel a sense of duty to God, I, I feel a sense of responsibility to Jesus. Don't you? I mean, just about every aspect of my Christian life, I feel responsible to him. Because, wait a minute. Now, Ken, as far as Jesus is giving, didn't he tell that guy on the road that foxes have holes and birds there have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? You know, what does Jesus know about giving? Now, isn't that a ridiculous question? What does Jesus know about giving? He knows what? Okay, he gave it all. Uh, not, and not just the physical life that we are so indebted about. I mean, in order to get here, he left the glories of heaven, which we can't even begin to estimate what that cost. But to die here and to shed his blood, not just for any one of us, but for all of us and for all of the sins that have been committed. As, you know, he gave it all. So I feel responsible, if nobody else does, to Jesus for that. And I also would say that our relationship to the leaders of this church depends on us being sacrificial in our giving. Uh, would someone read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, very quickly? Hebrews 13, verse 17. Oh, may they have a good will of you, for they want for your children. Okay. Uh, obey those who rule over you. They watch out for your souls. What else? Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Okay? When, when we give sacrificially to the works that have been um, chosen by this congregation, then 
we're, we're helping them to serve in such a way that it is joyful. <laughs> I imagine that there's nothing more uh, aggravating than to have in mind some great thing to do, but find out that there isn't sufficient funds for it. There are always sufficient funds because those funds are limitless. They come from, where do they come from? They come from God. Okay, the kids are pouring out. Thank you. Uh, next week, we're going to sing. So song leaders be thinking about that. And uh, we'll enjoy our last class for the month in singing. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for being with us tonight. We pray you'll keep us safe as we journey home. Our hearts are touched with those that we've thought about who are sick. We pray for their recovery again. And please help us, Lord, that we can apply these things uh, to our lives. Help us be the sacrificial givers that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.